Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Mac Daddy Pete Robertson. Hello, hello. Can you believe this is episode 160? 160. We were just talking last week about Thanksgiving. That was our fourth Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It, it kind of is. How does that happen? It just goes by so one fast. show at a time, baby. One show at a time. And we've done shows in Aruba, <laughs> Jamaica. Done, Ooh, I want. No. We, I was in Naples one time, Italy. Naples, uh, Florida. No, Italy. Italy. I don't know. And I think we have some coming. I think we're going to be doing a show in Italy here soon too. Hey, you're going right? to Rome, and then Florence, and then I'm going to Genoa. Yeah, we're Ooh. going to be doing another show somewhere from the G- road. G- Genova? Genova. Genova. Bologna? Genova. My Bologna has a first name. <laughs> I don't know. I can speak Italian more than I can speak German. I no, cannot I pronounce hear it. Germany. Speak Italian. Say Merry Christmas in, in Italian. I don't know. Buongiorno. That's all I know. I that's can, French. I know, but no. <laughs> no, is Italian. That's not French. Is it? No. Oh. Bonjour is French. Oh, it sounded French yeah. to me. Buongiorno. It's all Greek to me. It's like when I'm there, though, you pick up on mod words. Do you? Really, yeah, it's different. It's weird. Like pizza? Yeah. Yeah, well, pizza, live the bees. And you, the got, you gotta have the, the accent, especially when they're talking. <laughs> a little and Luigi. The, and they're passionate with their with their Luigi hands. And Giovanni. And they pinch your cheekies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you love Italy. We I've you guys are gonna move there, I think. We're 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 talking about starting in 2025, <laughs> about maybe having our offices there for three months of the year. Yeah. I love well, it. But then you'll have to do a lot of podcasts from Italy. It would be fun. It would also be fun to have People like you to come out for a couple of weeks what? and just hang out. They'll, they'll let me in so, Italy. So yeah. So what you're gonna do <laughs> is like get a house, rent a house, obviously that has multiple bedrooms, and then our friends and family could just come hang out with us. So make it a vacation. That's our thought. With um, like authentic Italian food, sure, cheeses, yeah, wine, yes, all all of the above. Because we are looking at in the in the Tuscany area, so outside Ooh, of Florence, so really, all the way out the Pisa. That's that like area. serious food in wine country. Oh isn't yeah, it? oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's for real. We were think, talking about. It. I don't know if it's twenty twenty five or after, but we're praying about it. Is lasagna really Italian food, or is that American? I think it's more Americanized. But they have different lasagna. I love lasagna. That's worlds. my favorite. Christine would whenever Christine would go. Well, all the different parts of from the from the south all the way up to the north, she has different Italian or different lasagna just to see how it tastes. Oh, it's but, so good, yeah. but it's crazy. This I love this time of year. Like you said last week, Thanksgiving. Now we're kind of into the Christmas season. Your house looks amazing, by the way. Yeah. Christmas trees are galore. Yeah, and it's just beautiful. I love this time of year. You know, Crystal and I, my beautiful wife. Yeah, we've been watching Elf. It's been on TV a lot. <laughs> So, you know, you're like scrolling. What? Here's what happens. You know, I'm watching, you know, my, my Seminoles beat up on, on the Gators right. and um, yeah, commercials. We don't watch commercials. We'll flip. And then you see Elf is on. You got to stop. You know, it's, I love that. That Do you love? That's my favorite Christmas. Movie. I think it's I mean, it's become a tradition. Yeah, it's become a tradition on our house, too. Love we love it. it. It's so funny. And it's just it's clean. It's fun. It's, yeah. you know, I've used Elf in a lot of sermons. <laughs> Over the Does years, Will Ferrell know that? No, but I've used it a lot in different sermons oh, over the years. I use, so I show fun. clips and stuff and whatever. So what, what's your favorite scene in the movie? I think it's that one scene um, when he knows Santa, and um, he gets all excited about Santa. And I remember using a clip in a in a message one time, and it came up and it showed that. And I said, "Can you imagine if we had that same passion for God? 
that we say, I know him. I know Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I know this guy that can help set you free. I know this guy that's going to bring you peace. I know this guy that's going to give Man, you gifts on the speakable. If I we could do like him. 1% of that excitement. Yeah. Oh, I think that's, that's so good. The, that's the one thing in there that I used a lot, <laughs> which is pretty cool. I, I like the scene where his little brother is talking to the, the reporter, you know, the, the, I oh, yeah. Name, Eddie yeah. McCoy, yeah. And yeah. he starts telling all yeah. everybody's Christmas wishes because right? like, he's, he's open. He's got the book. That yeah. is so awesome. It's like, how do you send you? Who yeah. sent you? <laughs> oh, it's funny. such a great movie. Yeah. Next week we're going to do, um, we're going to start with our Christmas, uh, series. So the leading up into, uh, the birth of christ i mean the actual birth of christ is in april so we here we go here we go blow everybody up but we celebrate it as america <laughs> and it's good i was watching there was a movie out called the journey to bethlehem or something really good movie if you haven't seen it, it's a musical and uh it's out right now so but if you haven't seen it it's good anyway it's it's talking about oh it's cold you know and so forth and i'm like i don't think it was that cold in april in in bethlehem so but anyway you know <laughs> It's okay. You know, that's, that's, um, they go off of the, how do we come up with that? They go off of the, the Jewish calendar. And when you, when you trace it back to the, to the, to the Passovers and you go all the way back in history, that's how we can get a pretty accurate date. It's probably April 17th, 11th through 17th. It's in that time. So his, and that's where his death was too. What it was year? all, um, that's the other thing that's always debated. So was, is it, you know, 3 30, BC, 4 BC, something. It was like before, like two or three years before they actually started. So that's another debatable one. So who knows? But it's close in that area. That might be a fun show one day. Yeah. Let's talk about that. If we could dissect that and yeah. kind of try to bring some truth to it. Yeah. Bring context. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a lot of work. But today's show. <laughs> but what is, <laughs> it would be a lot of, we could just wait and Jesus will tell us one yeah, day. Yeah. No kidding. That might be easier. Yeah. All right. And, and then we'll know we're right. But today we're gonna we're gonna carry Genesis Genesis fourteen. So we talked about was it last or two weeks ago? Um, two weeks ago, yeah. About the calling of Abraham. Yep. Yep. And so now the calling has been done. Now it's the next steps. And uh, we skipped a couple. We're gonna skip a couple of verses, but we're not. I mean, it would take forever to go through all of Genesis. Yeah, we're just gonna highlight. Like we talked some, about some this big story, but we're gonna go through pretty much every book of Genesis. We're just gonna highlight. Um, Genesis thirteen was really a short book. So we just over i'm not judging i'm just giving yeah. them some context so they didn't feel like they missed a chapter <laughs> they're not because we're going to keep giving context they'll get it all, all right. right all right well here's our title how our faith brings victory so let us pray father we uh we thank you for this time we're grateful that we have this opportunity to bring this podcast to our listeners lord we pray for them specifically that uh through this podcast they would get to know um they get to know you better and know better who you are so, Father, we uh, we just love you and trust you. We give you the show today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So when you enroll in the school of faith, yeah. you never know what might happen next. Nope. In Abraham's case, one day he finds himself resolving boundary disputes, and the next day he is preparing for battle. Why does this happen? Great one question. reason is that God wants us to grow and mature in all aspects of our life. But maturity is not easy to attain. Without challenges, this reminds me of James 1, yep. without challenges, there can be no growth. Yep. And without change, there can be no challenges. Hmm. Hmm. Kind of goes hand in hand. Yep. If circumstances never, ever, ever, ever changed, life would become predictable and boring. Yep. And with predictability comes fewer challenges. In our reading today, we will learn about Abraham, a man of faith who assumes different roles. 
we will examine his roles as a warrior, yep. as a worshiper. Yep. Despite facing difficult circumstances, Abraham exhibits faith in God. His faith enables him to make the right decisions, even when his situation seems hopeless. Our reading today continues after Abraham's entire family, including his nephew Lot's household, have been captured along with all their possessions. You know, it sounds like the opening to a Star Wars movie. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I, could, I was just envisioning the, scroll, yeah. the, the letters scrolling down right. the screen. Right, as, setting as it up. Entered, right. They were raided by these other bandits. Far away galaxy. Yeah. A long, long time ago. Yeah. So <laughs> can you imagine, though? So, you know, I think it was Diedrich Bonhoeffer that said, um, when you give your life to the Lord, you basically come to die to yourself. Right. You're, yeah. you're coming to you're basically saying, I am no longer about my mission, my agenda. I'm all about uh, God's agenda, God's mission. And so that's the school of faith. And so Abraham was asked um, to, to follow him. He was saying, hey, come follow me. I want to make you a great nation. I want to bless you. But in, in school of faith, there's so many variables and there's so many unknowns as we learn and as we grow what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so Abraham was, was learning that, man, there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of temptations. And we're going to kind of talk about some of those temptations uh, we'll have when we face circumstances. And, and how do we respond during those temptations is really, you know, the, the true test of where our heart really is. And so let's go ahead and start reading um, in Genesis 14, verses 13 through 16. We're going to be in the ESV and um, let's dive in. All right, let's go. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and of Anar. These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, uh, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsmen's lot with his possessions and the women and the people. Okay, so Abraham's probably down in the, the Jerusalem area, down, down lower. And so when he says that he chased them all the way up to Dan, that's all the way to the north part, right at the Lebanon border. So in today's news, we see Hezbollah and all of them up there. So that's at Dan. That's at the very top. And then over to Damascus, which is going to be east, it's going to go into the Golan Heights, and it's going to go past the Golan Heights into Syria. And that's where the Damascus is. And so if you can imagine, you know, the north region is where Galilee is, and over to the east of Galilee, if you're looking at it to the east, is it where Syria is, and then Damascus is a big area. And that's where Paul was going. Remember when he says the road to Damascus? Road to Damas yeah. That's where Paul was going when he saw, you know, probably in the Golan Heights when God opened his eyes and said, mm. hey, you know, what you're doing is... All right, so that kind of sets up where this is taking place. Now let's just dive in and talk about what it's talking about. Okay. Our first statement is this. What we notice right out of the gate is Abraham's attitude. He did not get involved in the war until he heard that Lot had been captured, and then he began to act. Notice Abraham was separated, but not isolated. He was independent, but not indifferent. In fact, in verse 13, he and some local sheiks formed an alliance for emergencies like this. So 
we see Abraham as an outsider working with the locals. So let's just give it context again. So a sheik is a, a herder, a, a laborer, but a, I mean, someone that has a little bit of power. Uh, Abraham was very powerful. He had a large uh, collection of animals and, and he had a lot of money and he was very influential. Okay. So, but he also was able to work with everybody that was in the area, local area. So everybody knew who Abraham has. Remember, we learned this a couple of weeks ago that everywhere Abraham went, he set up an altar. So as he traveled, he had his tents, but he also had his altar. His altar was to God. So people knew that, oh, he serves this Yahweh God, right? And so he was known, okay? So he was known, um, but he also had an alliance. And that's the key here is that there was, we saw that, you know, there was an attack and he went to his, his alliance. He went to his people that were there. So he had good relationships with them. So he was a pilgrim and a stranger in the land, but that was not excuse of inaction. While believers must not compromise with the unsaved in matters of spiritual walk and ministry, they may have cooperated when it comes to caring for humanity and promoting the general welfare of others. When we see the people are in trouble, we don't ask them for a testimony before helping them. Our sacrificial service is one way of showing the love of Christ to others. So Abraham, although they weren't followers, he was still there to help all of these, all these, his alliance, his people that were raided and that all of the, he's, ah, we're going to come together right now. And he was probably one of the main leads because he had a large staff. He had a, they were prepared for war and he had the anointing of God on his side. So that's kind of what I see here. So again, what's the message? The message is we help our neighbor. We help people that are around. We don't, we don't alienate ourselves. We want to have a good name with them. And, uh, and I think a lot of us don't do that. Oh my gosh, that neighbor is horrible. We're never going to talk with that guy. I like how you said that you, you don't, you don't ask for their testimony first. Like you don't, you don't ask who they voted for before you decide to help them. <laughs> right? And I think in our society right now, man, there's a lot of people that are in that, in that boat. Like, no, you, you voted for the other guy. I drove by I, and that guy had a Trump uh, sign. I'm never going to talk right? to him again. Or, or yeah, you see somebody broken down on the side of the road and they have the wrong bumper sticker on the car and you don't help them. I mean, that that's not how we're supposed to behave. No way. That's not godly. That's not what Jesus would do. No. All right. That's good. All right. All right. Let's talk about Abraham's family or his army. I mean, yeah, well, that is his family. too. Well, yeah. point. Though a man of peace, Abraham was prepared for war. Amen. He didn't fight from, for selfish motives or to get personal gain. He fought because he loved Lot and wanted to help him. When you consider the characteristics of Abraham's army, you see what it takes in the spiritual realm to have victory over the world. Again, we fight a spiritual war, don't we, Pete? It is, and everything is about spiritual. Even though we're, it's happening in the physical, there's a spiritual element behind it. There's always a war behind it. There's a reason why the person is filled with hate. There's a reason why the person wants to control you and dominate see you. Gaza. Yeah, there's a reason behind it. And it's a lot of times they don't even know why. Why do I hate? Why do they hate Israel? Where did that ever stem from? Because one person got in a fight and they just didn't like the way they looked. Why? Oh, because their religion is different than yours and they ask to do different things than you do. Why do they hate? Why do we hate people? Oh, because they look differently, because they smell differently. And so there's always a spiritual element behind all of it. But in verse 14, we see they were born in his house. So this is one of the things we need to notice is that Abraham raised up an army from within. So this is talking about multiplication. This is talking about discipleship. Is, is uh, Abraham prepared his men to be like-minded. 
He prepared them to be warriors. And and it wasn't because Abraham was trying to take more land. It was because he wanted to be diligent to whatever God needed for him, right? And so he was training them to be God-fearing. And so these were God-fearing people that, that Abraham raised up. Maybe not all of them, but he raised them up from within. We are to do the same thing. We are to have disciples. We're to have 12 disciples and raise them up and build up a leadership team and, and, and have an attitude of multiplication and, and multiplying ourselves. And so that we too have an army, that we too have warriors to go out and to, to obliterate the spiritual attacks that are coming against our friends and our family and ourselves. Mm. So we come together. Can you imagine if we had warriors like that? So that's kind of what's happening. But spiritually speaking, this reminds us of 1 John 5, 4, where it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Our first birth made us children of Adam, Adam and he was a loser, period. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to call it what it is, right? <laughs> Thanks, Adam. But our second birth makes us children of God, and Jesus is the victor. This is where we get our title from. It's in Jesus that we're victory. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23 tells us Jesus has overcome every enemy, every enemy, and he shares his victory with all who trust in him. Abraham's faith in God gave him victory. And according to 1 John 5, 4, our faith in God gives us victory over the world. So we have a power and authority over this spiritual darkness that's coming against us. We do not have to give in to it. We do not have to be affected by it. We overcome it, and light will always squash out darkness. Love will always triumph. Truth will always triumph. We have to just stay faithful and trust God and move forward and believe and know he's already overcome all of this evil, and we can trust in him that we too can overcome that. So thoughts? So Adam loser, Jesus victor. <laughs> That's what I got from that. Yeah. I mean, come on, let's call it what it is. Jeez. <laughs> Look at the Adam. Because of Adam, we're in the path we're on. You know, we're all screwed up and fallen. Need and savior. Yes. yes. It's a true statement. Yes. All right. Verse 14 also says that we were armed and prepared. It takes more than zeal and courage to win a war. You must also have effective equipment. The Christian soldier must wear the whole armor of God and use the spiritual weapons God has provided us. Our weapons are spiritual, not fleshly, and we use them in power, uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So based off of this, God wants us, and this is what he did with his disciples, God wants us to prepare an army around us, spiritual warriors, and he wants us to all lead each other. He wants us to be equipped. He wants us to be prepared for the war that's coming, that is constantly attacking us because we're in a spiritual battle. And when one of our brothers gets hit, then we as a band of brothers come together and protect and go out. That's where we pray together. That's where we have wisdom and acknowledge and lift up. And that's where sometimes we got to go out of our way to be there for our brother and sister. But Abraham raised up an army from within. He wants us to raise up an army from within. He wants us to be close, tight, and ready for battle. But in order to do that, we have to be equipped with the whole armor of God. We have to be prepared. And if we are uh, in a band of brothers and we're not encouraging each other to be in the word of God, then we're that's pointless. If we're not encouraging each other to be on our knees and prayer for one another and for, for our families and other things, then we, it's pointless. We have to come together because if we don't, you know, we're stronger together, we're weaker apart. Yeah. And so we want to come together. So Abraham was depending on the spirit of God and his word to defeat the enemy. God's word and prayer are our two most effective weapons 
we have when we're facing life circumstances that feel overwhelming. And we have a brothers, we have a band of brothers, and we have a warrior and a team around you. It's key. That's why it's so important to get involved in a church. That's why it's so important to have a life group. That's why it's so important to have a band of brothers around you. But don't just be partakers of it. You need to give. And the way that you give is by being filled with the Holy Spirit and that you become a warrior yourself and you preach out. You share God's truth. You share that and you become a prayer warrior. Don't just partake. You need to give. And that's why you have a bunch of disciples, bunch of multipliers that look at the, the, the playing field and see this hate and the, the evil. And you say, no, together we're going we're gonna to turn radically the world upside down. Together we're going to disciple one person at a time. Together we're going to do that. We're stronger together. We're weaker apart. Yeah, I love that you pointed out that, that those two effective weapons, and Jesus demonstrated that so uh, so perfectly well when he was here. I mean, yeah. the, you know, when he when he was encountered with the, you know, Satan has tried to tempt him. What did he use? He used the word of God, yep. and then the, the example of just how he lifted up and raised up those twelve disciples. So, I mean, there it is. The, he gave us the picture. Yeah. Another thing we see here in verse 14 is his army was trained. No matter how good their equipment is, if the soldiers are not trained, they will be easily defeated. We must be trained in God's word to defeat the enemy. It I mean, kind of goes back to what you were just saying. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I'm daily reading the word of God every day without fail. I mean, do I miss some days? Yes. But what I do is I go back and I reread it and I, and I go through it and I spend time and I'm devoted to that. There's a reason why I'm constantly studying and doing deeper dives in that is, is I want to make sure that I am well-equipped, but at the same time, what do I do? Everybody that comes into my sphere of influence is going to hear me tell them or share with them, speak life into them, encourage them some way, somehow you're going to know that being in the presence of, of, of Pete is going to point you to Jesus. It's going to encourage you to read the word. It's going to encourage you to pray. That's what's, what's going to happen. Now, build a team of those people. Hmm. Have a team of 12. Have, a, have an army that surrounds you that have the same like-minded. What are you going to do? What's going to happen to the enemy that comes against you? He has no chance. So you're all like-minded. You all have a mission. You're all going in one direction. You're all discipling. You're all multiplying. You're all fire on fire for the Lord. That's what Moses did. He had a strategy, but his people were prepared. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, a raid comes, bam, boom, but they're ready to go. They're ready to go. And they defeat him. But it wasn't because they weren't preparing ahead of time. It was because the spirit of God was moving in such a way that they were ready to go. So, so good. All right. You have 318 in your army? Um, I, More. <laughs> Probably more. We, and that, through that number just stood out to me. That was, yeah. was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, just it's so exact, yeah. like 318. Interesting. Well, let me just, I'll just, because uh, you brought it in, let's just talk about natural discipleship because we're a part of natural discipleship. This is, this is one of the things that we're doing with natural discipleship is that we're preparing warriors to be all like-minded and we have multiplication exploding all around the world. And so we're trying to organize this army, this team to be all the same page, just like Abraham was. And, and that we get equipped and that we continue to speak the same way and that we're together for each other. And so that's what we're doing within natural discipleship. And you could be a part of natural discipleship. Go to naturaldiscipleship.com, download the app, get plugged in, reach out to us and we'll get you plugged. But it's it's the same kind of mindset is is that we're we're preparing an army and that's the best way to look at it. All right. And you hear, you hear Pete's passion in that. Yeah. You know, it's 
this this podcast is going to get released on November November thirtieth, and uh, if you're in the Orlando area, you'd want to be you want to hear more about natural discipleship. What an opportunity we have next Tuesday night, December fifth. Yeah. Uh, if you want to come join us at the at the banquet, we'll, we'll buy your dinner. Yeah. Come hear all about what natural discipleship is all about. And, yeah, reach uh, out you to will us be blessed. We'd we'll love. Tickets, yeah, absolutely. Sure. We would love to have you join us for that. All right. Abraham and his allies were so strong that they chased the enemy from one for. 100 miles yeah i I noticed i didn't use the metrics that's that's good all right free all the captives (laughs) and recovered all the spoils do you think abraham and his nephew lot had a long talk on the road back i thought about this and this is kind of it it was i mean because they're not in a porsche doing 85 miles an hour this is a long trip well lot chose sodom and gomorrah sodom gomorrah we're gonna we're gonna dissect this is is a land of the sin and he chose sin over living in freedom and in he wasn't protected and there was a lot of vulnerability here. And so this is kind of what I was thinking is, is what was that conversation like on the way back? Yeah. Um, you know, Abraham, you know, his, his uncle or, you know, Lot's uncle is, you know, a man that's trying to walk holy, a man that's trying to, you know, lead properly. And he's in, and this has taken place. And so there's, there's more to the story here. Um, we're not going to get into too much of this context because it it take up the whole show. But yeah, I'm sure there was they talked about it not. Who knows? But what we do know is Lot did not repent of choosing to live in Sodom in the first place because we know he returned back there after this. So he could have re- reunited with Abraham, but he chose to go back to sin yeah. pretty much. Um, we know that because we know the context. We're going to study this chapter when we get there. Um, but Alexander White wrote that Abraham was the father of the faithful. And Lot was the father of all such as were, are scarcely saved. So meaning um, people that are possibly saved, but barely saved, they're getting in by the hair of their chinny chin chin or whatever it is. Um, so some will be saved. So as by fire, 1 Corinthians 3.15 says, but it is far better to have abundant entrance into the Lord's everlasting kingdom, 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Mm. So the, it, the Bible in context is saying that, there's some that that are followers of Christ, but man, you really watch them and they barely showing fruit. They're barely even there. And we know this about Lot because God did save them. So we know that we could take comfort in that. But why would we want to do that? As as Second Peter one eleven says, we should come in the abundant entrance. We should come knowing and not in that wavery thought. So I don't know. All right, let's go on. All right, let's continue reading in Genesis 14. We're going to go to 17, verses 17 through 24 now. After his return from the defeat, and, and I've got some tough words here, Pete. You're going to have to help me. Um, wow, this sounds like something out of Harry Potter or something. <laughs> defeat of Chater Lamer? I don't know. The kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Shavi. I don't know. That is the king's valley. And... This I should be able to say. And Melchizedek, Melchizedek, almost yeah. king of the of Salem, brought out bread and wine. That was nice. Yeah. And he was a priest. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, "Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand." And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram. Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap of anything that is yours. 
lest you say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and share of the men who went with me. Let Anar, or Aner, I don't know, Eshkol and Mamre take their share. Isn't it fun reading Old Testament names? It's uh, it's fun is probably not the word I would say. Um, A challenge, maybe? A yeah. challenge? So let's just give context. It doesn't say it right here, but the king of Sodom there is Berea, B-E-R-A, Berea, 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 Berea. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the context there. But let's let's dive into this. This is okay. fun. So we see here a completely new battle. Sometimes we face our greatest dangers after we have won a battle. It was after the capture of Jericho that Israel self Israel's self confidence led them into defeat at AI. At AI. Yep. AI. There it is again. Yep. There AI has taken over the world. Yes, it is. In Joshua seven, and after his success on Mount Carmel, Elijah panicked and ran away in fear. See First Kings nineteen. When Abraham returned from battle, he was met by two kings, Bera, king of Sodom, and Melchizedek. Man, why can't I say that word? Because it's weird. Melchizedek, the king of Salem. So I the, remember the, the first statement that you just said, sometimes we face our greatest dangers after we have won a battle. Yeah. I, I've learned this. So sometimes when I've, I'm, uh, I prepare a sermon or I did a great speech or something happens where there's accolades coming after the fact, like, wow, that was awesome. That was good. There's always some sort of temptation. And what Jesus taught me is remember after he fed the 5,000, he went away to pray with the father is I've learned that. So after these accolades or these things that happen in your life that are successful, you need to immediately remove yourself. You know why I think that is? Yeah. Why? Pride. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and, but there's going to, the, Satan does not want you to stay on the high horse. He wants you, especially from a spiritual standpoint, he's going to offer temptations or is there something that's going to happen to, to get you off. And so we have to be prepared for that. We have to guard from that. And I have many stories in my own life, unfortunately, where I have fallen into that. I had so much pride and I didn't realize how much pride was until I had all these successes and man, I fell and, and that happened many times. And so I had to learn that. And, and it, here's the other thing that happens when I have successes. I don't talk about it after that day. I'm done. It's, it's behind me. I don't even bring it up anymore. You know, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't dwell upon it. It's, it happened. Praise the Lord. God was glorified. And now it's behind me. But Berea, the king of Sodom, he offered Abraham all the spoils. If you look at the context here, he offered him all the spoils in return for the people, while Melchizedek gave Abraham bread and wine. So what happened here is Abraham rejected Berea's offer, but accepted the bread and wine from Melchizedek and gave him tithes of the spoils. All of this is symbolic and presents some important spiritual truth that we should understand and apply today. Let's spend time breaking down those truths, and we can kind of go into it. Okay. All right, so to break this down a little more, Abraham had to choose between two kings who represented two opposite ways of life. Sodom was a wicked city, and Barrow represented the dominion of this world system with its appeal to the flesh. We know that Barrow means gift, suggesting that the world bargains and bargains and bribes, right, yep. for our allegiance. But Sodom city means burning, so be careful not to choose the world system because you will get burned. Yeah. What does Melchizedek mean? Yeah. So I, let me go into that. But really, I mean, think about it. We talk about the world system a lot on, yeah. the, on this show. And there really is a world system, you guys. And if you're if you're depending upon your paycheck at your, your workplace, then you're, you're a part of that world system. God tells us not to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, 
Um, he doesn't worry. He doesn't, he tells us not to worry about how we're going to pay our rent, all of that, that none of that matters to God. What matters to God is that we worship him. We follow him. We rest in him. We have peace with him. And then he says, all, then I will supply all of your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all things are added unto you. There's two different systems. The first system is fleshly man. That's Berea. That's what's happening. And then there's a godly system. And the godly system wants worship, wants breaking of bread, wants there to be fellowship. And so that is where we get into Melchizedek. It means his his name means king of righteousness. And Salem, which is the city that he's from, means peace. Hebrews 7 and Psalms 110 both connect Melchizedek with Jesus, the king of peace and the king of righteousness. Like Melchizedek in Abraham's day, Jesus is our high priest in heaven, enabling us to enjoy righteousness and peace as we serve him. We can also see the symbolism with the bread and the wine, which remind us of Jesus' death for us on the cross. To sum up all of this, when Abraham rejected Bera and accepted Melchizedek, he was making a statement of faith saying, take the world, but give me Jesus. Amen. And so that's that's what we're seeing here. And that's what we say to ourselves when we say, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to I'm not going to have fear over the circumstances. And or if you have a great success, I'm not going to give in to the world system. I'm going to be still in God's presence. I'm going to get away and worship him. And so I want to my statement of faith is take the world, Satan, but give me Jesus. Man, that should be all of our statement. Amen. Mechizedek had something better to offer Abraham, the blessing of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Abraham lived by the blessing of the Lord, not by the bribery of the world. Yeah. I mean, it's if we are not in the habit of surrendering our life to God, if we're not in a habit of spending time in worship daily with him, it is very easy for us to be caught up into the bribery of the world. It's very easy. It's it's everywhere. Our billboard, every commercial, we're in the we're in the Christmas season. It's buy, 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 buy. It's all about world. It's all about flesh. It's all about make yourself feel better, all this stuff. And, and God rejects all of that. And he says, be still in me and let me provide for you. Let me guide you. Let me direct you. Let me sustain you. Let me fill you with everything that is good and perfect and, and my will. And, 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 it's, and it's complete and, and it's abundant and it's amazing. But it would appear that he did not want, Abraham that is, did not want anybody to think the world made him rich. And that's the other thing is, how many times have, do we boast about our accolades of how we're rich? How many times do we boast about, look at what I've done or, or man, I'm so good. Look at all that. Look at all the certificates or look how much money I made last year. I'm looking at all these things. And, and Abraham saying it had nothing to do with me. All of the success that I have, everything that it has, I'm telling the world right now, I did not do, I'm, this is not me. This is all about you, God. And, and so, so too many servants of God have weakened their testimonies by accepting applause and gifts from the people of the world. Mm. It's what happens. You cannot be a servant of God and a celebrity in the world at the same time. Melchizedek met Abraham after the battle to strengthen him for the victory. The Lord knows the temptations we face after we have defeated the enemy. Abraham met the Lord before the battle and promised to take nothing for himself from the spoils of the victory. He was single-minded and he led his army as he led his army and he gave God in victory. Basically, Abraham is saying, I don't need any of that. Give me Jesus or give me death. Hmm. He didn't need any of that. He says, I am content. I am still in my presence. I want to worship God and I want to trust God and let God lead me. What an example he was to Lot and his family. Picture. What an example he is to us. Now, here's the best part about Abraham. We're going to learn about this. 
Abraham was a flawed individual. <laughs> yes, he was. We were just talking before the show that he offered his wife. Yeah, up, he, he pimped his wife he out. He pimped his wife out to the Egyptian yeah. king. So he was a flawed individual. I am a flawed individual. Yeah, ditto. But where is my heart? Where is my allegiance aligned? Mm. What am I seeking with everything? Is it the world system or is it God? Yes, I fall short. But my heart is aligned with him and wanting to serve him. You have to ask yourself, listener, is the same thing. Is everything about you aligned with what God wants? And yes, oh, by the way, at times you're going to make a stupid mistake. It is. It's human. We're human nature. We're stupid. But man, it's so much better to live in the peace of God versus the world system and the chaos that it offers. Amen. All right. Genesis 14.20 is the first mention of tithing in the Bible. Oh, you're going to talk about tithing, Pete? Oh, I have to. The tithe is to give God 10%, whether of money, of produce, of farm animals, whatever it is, whatever you have. 10%. 10%. That's what the tithe is. When we tithe, we acknowledge that God owns everything and that we are grateful stewards of his wealth. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've always, when I teach or whatever, I always, when I'm looking at a subject, I go back to where it was first in the Bible and I try to get context starting from there. So this is the first actual mention in Genesis 14, 20, where it's talking about tithing. So Abraham is giving a 10th to Melchizedek. So we got to understand who's Melchizedek. We don't know where he came from. So I believe that he is a Christophany. I believe that this is Jesus. I believe this is God in human form um, because the way that uh, Abraham worshiped him, the way that God, he, he bowed down, he offered him, you know, uh, when you, when it's an angel or something like that, they, they always tell, they always tell the people don't bow down to Get up. Yeah. yeah. But when it's, when it's God, it's like, no, take off your shoes and bow. <laughs> and get, this is holy ground. This is holy ground. So this is kind of what's taking place here. Um, but yeah, so it's talking about giving a tenth. And um, and that when it says farm produce or animals, it's basically saying just anything that you have that is of worth it is, it, you know, we want to offer it. We don't want to hold onto anything. Our cars, our possessions, none of it should be that big of a deal. You know how people, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did it in my car. That's amazing. It, it, we should hold on to that stuff so loosely. It should never... We should never, it's no big deal. I mean, we want, we serve God. God is the provider of it. It's his, he owns the car. He owns our house. He owns everything. And so we want to hold on to those things loosely. And we want to be able to have an offering of praise to him. It's always about him. So our cars should be used for his glory. Our house should be used for his glory. Our finances should be used for his glory. It's always about his. It's his anyway. It's his, that's right. Always. So the practice of tithing preceded the law of Moses. So that means it was before God gave the law of Moses. For not only did Abraham tithe, but so did Jacob. We see that in Genesis 28. We're going to study that. For this reason, many Christians believe that God's people today should begin their giving with the tithe. As a wise elder once said, in the Old Testament Jew under the law could tithe, how much more ought the New Testament Christian under grace ought hmm. to give? The New Testament plan for giving is outlined in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But I mean, we've been given so much, the freedom that we have. It's no longer about any of our works. It's always about what God already did, what Christ already did. We have so much freedom. So why wouldn't we want to give everything to him? Well, that's the thought. All right. Abraham provides us with a good example of giving. It says in Hebrews 7, 1 through 10, that he brought his gifts to Jesus in the person of Melchizedek. Yeah. It, if It's important to understand that God is in charge of the church and or nonprofit ministry or whatever it is. If that ministry is not using God's money for his kingdom, we can trust that God will deal with that ministry accordingly. 
We do not hold back money from a ministry as a beacon of control uh, because we don't like something in the ministry. We do not give our tithe and offerings to the church, to the pastor, or to the members of the finance community. If our giving is a true act of worship, we will give to the Lord. And for that reason, we want to give our very best. So, so if the music is too loud this week in, in church, you don't have to give? Is that what you're saying? I, a lot of people punish a church, Ugh. punish pastors. And listen, I've guil- I'm guilty of this. I've done it, okay? <laughs> I have not... <clears throat> I've in my mind justified that I don't trust where the pastor is leading this church. So I've, I've held back certain ties because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guilty of that. And what God is telling us here in the context is that we trust him, not man. Amen. And God will deal with the man. God will deal with that. And so, and, that, and the other thing is this, is we should have more money to tithe. I think, I think for me, this is, I'm talking for me personally, God has convicted me to really watch what I buy. It, you don't see me having brand new shirts and brand new clothes and brand new cars and brand new this all the time. I'm very careful and conscientious of how I spend my money. And, and sometimes it's because I don't have a lot of money, but a lot of times it's because I want to really make sure that the money is being used for God's glory. And so that, you know, there's a lot of money that needs to go out, but I want to make sure that it's a help advancing the kingdom of God. And so we sometimes want to be, you know, selective of what we're spending our money on. You know, I think that the, sometimes we don't need that extra whatever when we can be settled and be content with what we have. All right. Good lesson. Abraham gave because he loved God and wanted to acknowledge his greatness and his goodness. Yeah, I think too many times we we tend, especially in Western culture, we give out of like um, guilt almost or, or uh, I don't know, or maybe it'll make us look good to people around us if we're given... But Abraham gave because he loved God and wanted his acknowledgement only. I think that's so good. It's it's I I want to be I want to be ready in season and out of season. And and the two things that get people the most is sex and money. Look at our world today. If you start looking at it, it's sex and there's money. There's greed. There's sex. It's those are it's what like, it's Satan's biggest tools, <clears throat> our greatest tools. Those are the two things that that get us the most. And we those are the two things that we need to sacrifice and crucify in our own lives and, and, and control our eyes, control the sex aspect of things and, and really watch how we, we spend our money and, and, and be thankful. We did a show, I think it was last week when we're talking about Thanksgiving that we're thankful for everything. An attitude of Thanksgiving is so much greater than having an attitude of negativity and want and greed and all of that other stuff. And so, yes, Abraham gave because he loved God and wanted to acknowledge his greatness and his goodness. And I think the same thing why we give, the same thing why I sacrifice my life. The same, people have asked me so many times, why are you doing this for free? Well, because I love God. I want to sacrifice every bit of me so that God's glory, I don't look for the money. I'm not looking for how am I going to get paid. I'm looking for what can I give more? What can I do more to get to advance the kingdom? What can I do more to prepare myself to be in a position so that God is glorified? That should be our attitude. That was Abraham's attitude. And so, what a contrast between the most high God and the heaven and the heathens idols in the world people serve today with their monies. Abraham's God is the creator of the heaven and the earth and everything else is created by God. And they made choices to reject him as a good God. But I mean, think about it. All these idols, all the things that people serve are their own self-fulfilled idols, their own self-fulfilled. Uh, they make themselves God and they're rejecting the true creator God because they want to be in charge. They want it their way. 
Everything is either all gods or we keep our, our that or we keep it ourselves and serve our own idols to our own liking. And so when you look at people's lives, it's made up of their own self-image. It's made up of what they desire, what they like, and it has nothing to do with surrendering to God and trusting him. And he is a good God and a good father. So if you're listening to this and you haven't given your life to the Lord, you could do so right now. You could just say, God, forgive me of my sins. And I repent. I believe that you you are the son of the living God. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. I believe that in you, I can have freedom from this world system. I can have freedom from trying to do things my way. And I can, and I can find peace and my hope and love and joy in you. And, and the Bible says, if you do do that, you confess your sins and you, you, you repent of your sins, you turn from that. The Bible says that now you're going to live a life that's different. No longer are you going to start choosing to do the things of the world system. You're now going to say, put your hope and your trust in God. You're going to start doing the things a follower of Christ does, a disciple does. You're going to get discipled. If you need to be discipled, reach out to us and we'll get you hooked up in, with the natural discipleship and get you a personal ministry. But if you need a, a church, contact us. We'll get you hooked up with a, a Bible-believing church and get you started on your faith. But also open your word and start reading. Um, I recommend, um, if you haven't read the Bible before, read the New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier, the NLT, um, and get one of those Bibles. If you need a Bible, contact us and we'll get you hooked up with a Bible. Anyway, Bob, how could they get a hold of us? Yeah, go to our website, theriotpodcast.com, and uh, fill out the contact form. We would, and just fill out whatever questions you have or you know your needs. Just put it in there, and we would love to be able to help you and and help direct you to the right places. There, we also encourage you to reach out to any any of our um, social media platforms. You can go to Facebook, you can go to Twitter, you can go to uh, YouTube, and while you're there, I highly recommend you hit the the like button, subscribe button. Uh, that way you're notif notified anytime new episodes come out. And uh, it also helps get the get the word out to other people. It helps get the Riot podcast in front of other people. Right. And uh, we would really appreciate that. So, guys, again, what an, uh, an amazing time. The month of November's over. I can't believe we're in the middle of the Christmas season. Uh, Christmas songs that people watch an elf and all that good <laughs> stuff weird. happening. And uh, man, this has been a great journey going through the book of Genesis. I'm I love it. forward to uh, continuing that probably after the first of the year. Yeah. Um, tune in next week as we jump into our Christmas series. Yes. It's gonna be it's just gonna be awesome. I'm looking so much so much forward to it as well. So God bless you guys. Have an amazing week of worship. Be blessed. Love you guys. This has been the Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of the Riot Podcast.